My question is, what is love? What is love? I looked up some humorous and silly definitions that people have with love, and I couldn't pass these up. Here's one. It's when, it's when somebody says you can, I'm not going to use the F word, I'm going to use pass gas. When you can pass gas freely around someone, they say that is love. Someone else says that, they say love is in the air. I say they're just adding to the pollution. <laughs> Don't I know that from the other night? Oh, anyway, I'm just going with this. All right, someone says love is a temporary madness, okay? Someone else said it's the point in the relationship where logic just becomes irrelevant. And Donna's nodding her head yes on that one, so, all right. Someone says love is like that 80s song. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. That's a good song. All right. Yeah, you can go on nodding your head doing that. Okay. Now, this one here, the last one, they're getting, they're getting close to what the true meaning of love is in an aspect. They say it's giving your last morsel of food to someone even though you're extremely hungry. And that was hitting more to home there. What is true love? More, more importantly, what does the Bible say? What does it say about love? Okay. That's what we're going to talk about today. The very first attribute of the fruit of the Spirit, which we're studying, it is love, all right? As we're starting that brand new sermon series, Walking in the Spirit, a New Year's resolution with resolve. Last Sunday, we did an overview of the nine individual fruit of the Spirit, okay? And how the fruit of the Spirit, as we know as Christians, is a result of having that indwelling Holy Spirit of God in our lives. The moment we become Christians, you were indwelt with the Holy Spirit of God. And as a result of putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Now, I don't believe that it was any accident that Paul listed love as the very first attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. Why is that? We as Christians know the entire Bible is a blueprint for how we are to conduct and live our lives. Bible, someone has said Bible is for basic instruction before leaving earth that is the acronym for the bible as well as it gives us instruction in righteousness on how to follow through with those instructions in the bible and when we're doing that when we're feeling god's commandments to love god first then we understand and know how we can love others as well living out the entire truth of god's word the verses that uh, in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Remember, before we read these verses this morning, what was it was going on? You had the scribes. They were coming, and one particular lawyer who was very advanced in the law was coming to Jesus, trying to trip him up. This is the conversation that happened in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. He says, teacher, this is the lawyer right here. Which is the greatest commandment of the law? Here he is. He's trying to trip up Jesus Christ. Jesus responds, and he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most foremost commandment. Then he said, The second is just like it. You shall love your neighbor, he says, as yourself. He says, On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Okay? When we're expressing God's love, the remaining fruit of the Spirit 
will occur. That is why I believe it is the first fruit of the Spirit, love. Once love is, is emphasized, once it is practiced as God would have us to, all the other fruit of the Spirit will come along with it. But it starts first with love, as we read in the public reading in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Love was the greatest of them all. Now, what I want to do in, in the few minutes we have this morning is answer four basic fundamental questions about love, okay? Number one is what is love, okay? We kind of touched basis on this a little bit last Sunday. Remember, last Sunday we talked about in the Greek that there is three different translations of the word love. You have eros love, that is a more intimate, physical, erotic love, okay, between one man and one woman, intimate love. Then you have a phileo love. Phileo is where means brotherly love, where we get the United States city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It comes from that Greek word of love, phileo. But the one, the third one, and the most important one is the one we're going to emphasize more. Gary just said it. He, and I know, I know it was from Warren paying attention last Sunday. He already knew this, as most of us should have, was agape love. A-G-A-P-E, agape love, okay? That is that perfect sacrificial love that truly only God can give perfectly, okay? Only God can do that. And when we receive that agape love, we're not only able to love God in return, truly, but also to be able to use that sacrificial love he has towards other people as well. Un, and the key word there is unconditionally. God doesn't love us on the curb. He doesn't love us on conditions. He loves us unconditionally. No strings attached with God. I want you to listen real quick. The Vines Expository Dictionary gives this definition uh, of agape love in this manner. It says, in respect of agape as used of God, it expresses the deep and constant love and interest of a perfect being towards entirely unworthy objects producing and fostering a reverential love in them towards the giver and a practical love towards those who are partakers of the same and a desire to help others to seek the giver. You see how that all start, comes together? God gives us his love, his agape love, his mercy to undeserving people as you and I. We weren't deserving of God's love. We aren't deserving of God's love. But because of his love and mercy, he didn't want one child. He wanted many children. That's where salvation come from, okay? Listen to this story. I'm going to have a few stories here. Listen to this one. William Gladstone, in announcing the death of Princess Alice to the, to the country's House of Commons, told a touching story. He says, the little daughter of the princess was seriously ill with diphtheria. Diphtheria. I want to make sure I pronounce that right. Thank goodness Donna's here. Diphtheria. The doctors told the princess not to kiss her little daughter and endanger her life by breathing the child's breath. Once when the child was struggling to breathe, the mother for, completely forgot entirely about staying away. She took the little, little, her little daughter into one of her arms to keep her from choking to death. Rasping and struggling for her life, the child said, Mama, will you just kiss me? Without thinking of herself, the princess tenderly kissed her daughter. She got diphtheria, and some days after, after that, she went to be forever with the Lord. The, uh, the storyteller puts, real love forgets self. Real love knows no danger. Real love doesn't count the cost. 
The Bible says many waters cannot quench love, neither can the floods drown it. That's love, giving of yourself for someone else through Jesus Christ. That's what agape love is all about. This is how much God loved us. He gave all of himself that a sacrificial agape love was all over that. The, the pre- predominant verse that tells how much God gave of himself for us is in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He's, Paul wrote, Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. It didn't matter to him, okay? But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. A bondservant was the lowest of servants that there was. A bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man. What did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's how much God loves us, that agape love. Number two, the second question, who are we to love? Well, this is a big question today. Who are we to love? Again, go back to that verse in Matthew 22, uh, chapter, uh, verses 37 through 39, where the lawyer was trying to trip up Jesus. Listen to this. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Then he said, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All right? First, love God with everything that you are. You can't love anybody else first until you are able to have that sacrificial love, that agape love that God has given us, okay? You are to love God with all of you, everything you are, your mind, your heart, your soul, everything you are, you are to love God first, okay? Why is that? Well, he commanded it. You're to love the Lord your God before anything else. The first and greatest commandment. He created us, as we talked about this morning, creation. He created us, he knew us before the foundation of the world. He created us intricately in the mother's womb. He decided to call us, set us apart for salvation, okay? He designated each and every one of us for eternity with him. And also doing this, if you understand all of this, this will help you with the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's the question. Who is your neighbor? I'll tell you who it is. Not only is it a literal neighbor next door, whether you like them or you don't like them, whether they are they live contrary to how you how you live or what you believe, you better love your coworkers. Okay? Love people that you meet into the stores. And your enemies, your adversaries. Tough pill to swallow, isn't it? Try telling that to parents who may have lost a child to a drunk driver. Somebody come through a church door. It happened in South Carolina so many years ago. With that white young male come in on a Wednesday night Bible study. Shot up and killed the pastor, primarily an African-American church. Killed a bunch of people that night. I'll never forget one of the representatives of that church on camera told that assailant 
God loves you, and we love you. We forgive you for what had happened. That doesn't mean they didn't want that person off the hook. They just took them off their emotional hook. Give it to God. Let God take care of the rest. Let justice be served. How hard that was. That is God's agape love being expressed to someone else. That's tough, isn't it? Especially when it hits close to home. Very tough. Who is your neighbor? Anyone and everyone who's in need. And we're all in need, aren't we? Jesus cut right to the chase perfectly in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, okay? Verses 43 through 44. He said, You have heard that it is said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Very important. We are to love even an adversary, even if they don't love us, they don't like us. Let me tell you where I work at, and some of these women are at odds with each other. One of them, good Christian woman. There was a dispute. I don't know what happened. Many of the women cut her off. They don't want to do with her. Good Christian woman. She says, I love them, and I still pray for them every single day. That's love, all right? Stephen Olford was a prominent American Christian leader in the 20th century. He was very influential in the ministry of not only Billy Graham, but also a great teacher to Dr. Charles Stanley and also Adrian Rogers. Listen to what he said here. He tells a story of a Baptist pastor during the American Revolution. His name was Peter Miller. He lived in uh, Ephrata, Pennsylvania, and he enjoyed a close relationship with George Washington. In, in Ephrata also lived Michael Whitman, an evil-minded sword who did all he could to oppose and um, humiliate this pastor. One day, Michael Whitman was arrested for treason and sentenced to death. Peter Miller traveled 70 miles on foot to Philadelphia to plead for the life of this traitor. No, Peter, George Washington said, I can't, I can't grant you the life of this person, your friend. My friend, exclaimed the old preacher, he's the bitterest enemy I have. What? cried George Washington. You've walked 70 miles to save the life of an enemy? That puts the matter in a different light. I'll grant you pardon. And he did. Peter Miller took Michael Whitman back home to Ephrata, no longer an enemy, but a friend. After all that he put him through, he was granted that because his commitment, his love that he had for his neighbor, even one who didn't like him at all. Number three, how? How do we give that love? How is it? It's very simple. Sacrificial love as God loves us sacrificially, as I've been speaking on in this message, okay? Here it is. Put others' interest above your own. In a world that's about self-gratification, putting me first, we're not, as Christians, we're not to do that. We are to put our own interest behind somebody else's, just as a parent would do for a child, or even more so, a spouse, a husband for their wife, and a wife for their husband, putting their interest above your own. We forfeit our desires, we forfeit all those needs, our interests, in order to put other people first, okay? And doing so within the church of Jesus Christ, you're blessing other Christians. God is getting the glory for that. But also, think of this, it will also influence many times a non-believer. Because remember what I said last Sunday? Society is watching Christians. 
They're watching. They're watching Christians move to see how they portray themselves in society. The writer in Proverbs 25 said in verses 21 and 22, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink, for you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Very simple, all right? Number four, why? Why should we love? The Bible says God is what? God is love. We as Christians, because of that indwelling Holy Spirit, will want to love as well. If you don't think you can't love somebody, you need to get yourself checked out between you and God. Something's not right there. It's the very evidence, I think it's on the screen, it is the very evidence that we are disciples of Jesus Christ if we'll show love. That is the very fundamental evidence that we are who we say we are, a follower of Christ, if we'll show love for others. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another, by this, all men, here we go, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And then John also put later on in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I want to tell a story of a father. He tells a story about his two kids. You can drink a water. This father says he took his eight-year-old daughter Helen and his five-year-old son Brandon when they this back still had brick and mortar malls in America. It was the Cloverleaf Mall in Hattiesburg, Mississippi to do a little shopping. He said as we drove up we spotted a Peterbilt 18-wheeler parked with a big sign that said Petting Zoo. The kids, he said, were ecstatic, ready to rush to get into the mall. Daddy, can we please go see all of the, the, the uh, pets from the petting zoo in the mall? Sure, he said, you go on ahead. He said, flipping them with a quarter from each one is before he went into the Sears department store. They bolted away. He said, I felt free to take my time looking for a scroll saw in Sears. He said, a petting zoo consists of a portable fence erected in the mall with about six inches of sawdust and a hundred little furry baby animals of all kinds. Kids pay their money and stay in the enclosure enraptured with the squirmy little critters with their moms and dads when they were able to shop. Can't do that today. Can't leave them out of your sight anymore. A few minutes later, he said, I turned around and I saw, I saw my eight-year-old daughter Helen following closely behind me. I was shocked to see she preferred the hardware department store over the petting zoo. Recognizing my fear, he said, I bent down and asked her what was wrong. She looked up at me with those giant, limpid brown eyes and said, well, Daddy, it cost 50 cents, and all you gave us was a quarter apiece. So what did I, he said, I, she said, I gave my quarter to my brother, Brandon. Then she said the most beautiful thing I ever heard. She repeated our family motto. The family motto is in love is action. She had given Brandon her one and only quarter, and no one loves cuddly, furry creatures more than Helen did. So she watched Sandy take my steak and say, my wife, love is action, the dinner table once before. Love is action. 
She had watched both of us do the say, um, do and say, love is action, for years around the house. She had heard and seen love is action, and now she had incorporated it into her little lifestyle. It had become part of her. Well, what do you think I did, he asked. Well, not what you might think. As soon as I finished my shopping in Sears, I took Helen to the petting zoo. We stood by the fence and watched Brandon go crazy, petting and feeding all the animals. Helen stood with her hands and chin resting on the fence and just watched Brandon play. I had 50 cents in my pocket burning a hole through them. I never offered it to Helen, nor did she ever ask for 50 cents because she knew the whole family motto. It's not love is action. It's love is sacrificial action. Love always pays a price, he said. Love always costs something. Love is expensive. When you love, benefits accrue to another's account. Love is for you, not for me, he says. Love gives, it doesn't grab. Helen gave her quarter to Brandon and wanted to follow through with her lesson. She knew she had the, had the taste to sacrifice herself. She wanted to experience the total family motto. Love is a sacrificial love. What is love in closing? Think of this, God giving of himself, all of himself. That's the agape love through his son, Jesus Christ, who in turn, what would Jesus do with it? Not just live a perfect life. What would he do? He would live a short life, 33 and a half years, die a horrific death on a cross for us, taking the sins on our behalf and the sins of the entire world, nailing it to the cross of Jesus Christ so that we can have an opportunity to receive that agape love, that agape love to express to others just as God did for us. It's like a chain reaction, isn't it? To help lead others to a love, a love that will never, ever perish. Remember John three sixteen, For God so loved the world, he gave of his only begotten son that whomever, whom, uh, whoever shall believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is God's agape love, the first attribute of the fruit of the Spirit. For those of us who have chosen to believe, all of us here I know have chosen to believe in Jesus Christ, having that Holy Spirit, which in turn I guarantee you, if we'll grab a hold and take a hold of it, will help drive us to walking in the spirit of love, a New Year's resolution that truly has resolved. Let's bow together in a word of prayer. L-O-V-E, love. A word that is just used in every imaginable way, not only in our country, but throughout the world. The problem is it's used in the context in such a wrong way most of the time. We talked about what love truly is an agape love. There are other types of love that we talked about briefly a little bit, but we focused on the most important love, a sacrificial love that came from God the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, a sacrificial love. We as Christians understand what that is. Maybe you're a Christian and you're having a hard time expressing that love. I would encourage you, talk with God, talk with another Christian. You're struggling, you're having a problem loving somebody. 
We all have those problems from time to time. We live in a sin-filled world where Satan, if he can't, he can't take our salvation. But what he can do is take our witness, take away our joy, which in turn will help our will lead sometimes our love to kind of grow cold. God doesn't want that. If you're a Christian, talk with God. Help him to help me. Ask God to help me get back that love I once had. Talk with another Christian. That's what the church is all about, helping encourage and edify others who are in need. Get back in that right standing with God. Maybe you're not a Christian. You listen to this message. I want God's sacrificial love. Well, there's a simple way you can do it. So simple, even a child can understand it. But it takes that indwelling Holy Spirit that's among Christians, that same Holy Spirit that's representative in the church of Jesus Christ has to be knocking at your doorstep, informing you, letting you know, telling you, God wants you as one of his children. He wants to show you, give you that sacrificial agape love. If God's Holy Spirit is working on you, you can take that simple step of faith right now in your heart silently, or you can out loud, knowing God is listening and waiting with open arms to give you that agape love through his son, Jesus Christ, through that plan of salvation. Say this prayer with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me. I understand, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I am truly sorry for all of those sins in my life. But I believe what I heard today, that you love me so much, you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. Taking the punishment I deserve for those sins on that cross. And I'm trusting in what Christ and Christ alone did to save me of my sins. God, thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me. And I am praying right now you will help me spend the rest of my life serving you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it with all of your heart, you just experienced God's agape love, that sacrificial love that came through His Son, Jesus Christ. You are now a child of God. You're on the right, not on the right side of history. You are now on the right side of God. You have eternity waiting for you in heaven one day. And we wouldn't want to hear from you. If you made that decision and you prayed that prayer of faith, you took that next step, we want to hear from you here at Pleasant View Baptist Church. What you will do is you will see a website at the bottom of your screen. You'll type in this website. It is pvmb.me forward slash contact. Type in that page. It will send you directly to our contact page on our website. You will put in your information and hey, say, Brother Stephen, I just prayed the prayer of faith. And we want to congratulate you on making that decision. But not only that, what we want to do is send you some free material. We have some pamphlets, some literature to get you started on your new walk. We want to send you a Gideon's Bible to get you started on your new walk. And by doing so, um, you have that material, you're going to want to move further in your walk for Christ. What do you mean by that? I'll tell you what, every one of us who've ever become a follower of Christ, probably one of the very first things we did, we went, we went out and told people about it. Family, I know I told my parents as soon as I got home. Parents, family, friends, co-workers, that joy is in you, you're going to want to express it to others. And that's called a testimony. Giving a testimony to others about what Christ just did for you and what you're doing is planting a seed and watering it down. 
so that the Holy Spirit can come in. Maybe by your testimony, you can help lead someone else to faith in Christ. That's called obedience. That's what God has called all of us Christians to do. That's why he left us here once we gave our life to Christ instead of rapturing us out of here, taking us out to do the one thing God has called us to do, that is to make disciples of, for Jesus Christ. And how do you make disciples? First of all, they have to be a disciple. Tell anyone and everyone about what Christ just did for you. And then don't stop there. You have to have a local Bible-believing church that teaches the entire Bible, the whole counsel of God's Word. Well, maybe, Brother Stephen, you know, I don't, I can't, I don't like being around a big amount of people. I could do church right here at home. Oh, no, you can't. The Bible says we're not to forsake being around like-minded Christians. Why is that? I just mentioned it a moment ago. What better way if you're in need, if you need your prayer for something? Many times God can answer those prayers through other people. First of all, encouragement. You, need, you can't get encouragement from somebody on television. You can't interact with them. You need the local Bible-believing church to help lift you up when you're down to help grow as a Christian. And also by doing that, your, your gift that God has given you is for someone else's benefit as well. Get into that Bible-believing church just like this one that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word about sin, salvation, sin. They teach about the things going on in this world, why we're in the shape we're in. It all goes back to God's Word. Nothing is left unturned, no page unturned. But everything we need to know is in this Bible and get into that church that teaches every bit of it. They don't cherry pick. They don't pro do prosperity preaching. God wants you to have all of this and this. That's not what the Bible teaches. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. Just like this church, Pleasant View Missionary Baptist, where we teach the whole counsel of God's word. This church here, our church website, check us out here at pvbaptistchurch.com. O-R-G, where we have great sermons on there um, from the past. Our statement of faith is on there. I encourage you, This, if you don't like a big church, this isn't a very big church. We're a small little church. We'll be glad to have you here if you're a follower of Christ. May bring a friend with you, somebody who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. If you can't get into this church, get into another Bible-believing church that teaches the whole counsel of God's Word. Father in heaven, I pray to you today that no one who may have heard this invitation to salvation or any other great teacher of faith out there who put out that call of invitation to salvation. I pray that no one would resist that call and today make a decision for Jesus Christ. And I pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.